You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome to Wise Guys, These Guys Know Sports, here live on this Tuesday, November the 30th, live here on the Wise Guys Sports Show on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H, also on Facebook, Wise Guys, and be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. It's Tuesday, Taco Tuesday. You in the house with your boy Trey Larkins. Talking all the latest in sports news. I got an action jam-packed show. I'm going to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals and the beatdown that took place at Paul Brown Stadium Sunday afternoon. Also, here in a little bit, I'm going to bring on front office sports blogger J.T. Smith. We're going to break down the Houston Cougars versus Cincinnati Bearcats this weekend. The matchup will take place at Nipper Stadium it's a matchup between an 11-1 Cougars team and a 12-0 Bearcats team looking to secure their second consecutive AAC title and secure a berth in the college football playoffs. So me and JT going to break that down here in a bit. Also later on the show, I'm going to talk about the Western Conference battle tonight between the Phoenix Suns and the Golden State Warriors. It's going to be a primetime matchup. we got Chris Paul going up against Steph Curry. I can't wait for that matchup tonight. And also earlier this evening, it was announced that LeBron James has COVID. So he's going to be out a minimal of 10 days. So I got so many things to get into on tonight's show. But we begin in the NFL. As we got to start off in Green Bay, Wisconsin, those Green Bay Packers, they improved to 9-3 and three with a dominating performance over the L.A. Rams. It was a 36-28 victory for the Green Bay Packers. Go, Pack, go for the Rams. It was their third straight loss. It's tied for the longest streak under Sean McVay. And Matthew Stafford, he's the first quarterback with an interception return back for a touchdown in three straight games since 2014. So no other quarterback in the NFL since 2014 has had three straight games where they've thrown an interception return back for a touchdown. It happened to Matthew Stafford in the last three games. This is the Packers' 10th straight home win. They are 5-0 this season at Lambeau Field. Longest active home winning streak in the NFL. For the Rams, Matthew Stafford, he went 21 of 38. Threw for 302 passing yards, three touchdowns, one interception. For the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, he put on another MVP caliber performance. He went 28 of 45. Through for 307 passing yards, two touchdowns. Devontae Adams showed why he is still the best receiver in the NFL. Eight receptions, 104 receiving yards. So my biggest takeaway from this game was the Packers' dominance over the L.A. Rams in the trenches. I feel like when I look at this game, I thought 
the Green Bay Packers, they were the more physical team, and they pretty much imposed their will on this L.A. Rams team. And I thought A.J. Dillon had an outstanding game. You know, he's playing right now a lot of uh, a lot of the times right now because Aaron Jones, he just got back from an MCL injury. So A.J. Dillon's been carrying the low for the Green Bay Packers. He had 20 carries for only 69 receiving yards, but he did have a receiving touchdown. He had, what did he have, five receptions for 21 receiving yards, one touchdown in the air from Aaron Rodgers. So I thought A.J. Dillon was an important factor in this win for the Green Bay Packers because he brought that physicality at the running back position for the Packers. And I just thought up front, the Packers, you know, won the battle at the line of scrimmage. And you know, the LA Rams, they got Von Miller. They got Aaron Donald. They got Leonard Floyd. So you would have thought that the Rams would have dominated the line of scrimmage. But that did not happen in this game. And I feel like the Green Bay Packers offensive line did a hell of a job protecting Aaron Rodgers and A.J. Dillon opening up running lanes for him to run through. So I want to give a lot of credit to the Packers O-line. Center, Lucas Patrick, left guard, John Runyon, Yash Neiman, who replaced L. Jenkins, who's out right now with the torn ACL. He's done for the season. So Newman did a hell of a job stepping up in the absence of L. Jenkins. And then you got, uh, you know, Billy Turner, uh, Royce Newman. These guys did a hell of a job up front for the Green Bay Packers. And I thought they did a pretty good job as well protecting Aaron Rodgers. Not only did they open up running lanes for A.J. Dillon, they protected Aaron Rodgers. The Rams only got to Aaron Rodgers one time on the afternoon, just one time. So Aaron Rodgers was able to sit back in the pocket and pick apart that Rams secondary. I also thought the Rams game plan was not the right game plan going up against an elite receiver like Devontae Adams. They did not have Jalen Ramsey travel everywhere with Devontae Adams. And I thought that was a key in the game. When you have an elite cornerback like Jalen Ramsey, you have to match him up with the opposing team's best receiver and say, hey, wherever you go, I'm with you everywhere you go all day long, all day long, just like you had all of the servings for Thanksgiving, uh, you know, just like hot sauce going greens for me. Like every time I eat my greens, I love my hot sauce. I got to have my hot sauce on my greens, right? That's what should have happened in this game when it comes to matchups with Jalen Ramsey guarding Devontae Adams. He should have been lined up opposite from Devontae Adams the entire game. And for whatever reason, Sean McVay and the Rams, they did not do that. And they trusted their game plan to have other corners and defensive backs be able to guard Devontae Adams. But it did not work because in this game, Devontae Adams had eight receptions for 104 receiving yards. Didn't get me in the end zone, but he had a great game overall. Didn't like their game plan overall. Defensively, it just didn't make any sense. And I got to be honest, this Rams team is soft. They are soft. We, you remember two weeks ago on Monday Night Football, they got flat out punked when they went up against the San Francisco 49ers and they just ran the football right at the Rams defensive front. And this is a Rams team that has the likes of Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd and Von Miller. Like I mentioned earlier, I don't understand how they are getting dominated in the running game. 
And I think that's a part of the reason why they are struggling overall. They have been getting flat out punked and you saw the 49ers run right at them. You saw the Packers run right at the Rams defensive front. And that's been the biggest difference. And that's the reason why the Rams are on a current three game losing streak. So defensively, they have to get better. They have to get better. But I want to give some credit also to the Packers offense because I thought the Packers offense did an outstanding job dominating time of possession as well. In this game, the Packers had the ball for 39 minutes. The Rams had the ball for only 20 minutes. So when you are able to dominate time of possession and you're able to win in the turnover battle because the Packers won in the turnover battle as well, I believe that's a recipe for your team to be able to win games. I mean, the Packers did fumble the ball three times, but they only lost one fumble. The Rams, they fumbled the ball four times. They lost two fumbles. And then Matthew Stafford threw the pick six as well late in the game that pretty much sealed the deal for the Green Bay Packers. Rasul Douglas, he's been outstanding for the Green Bay Packers. That pick six, very, very impressive. You remember earlier in the season, he had the game-winning interception going up against the Arizona Cardinals. So this was another big-time play made by Rasul Douglas in a key moment in this game. So I got to give a lot of credit to Rasul Douglas because he stepped up in the absence of Jair Alexander. Jair Alexander is the best cornerback in the NFL. He's been out since week four against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Rasul Douglas has done a great job stepping up in his absence. Also, I want to give some credit to Eric Stokes, the opposing cornerback for the Green Bay Packers. He's done an outstanding job, and he is only a rookie. He's only going to get better as the season goes along. And I think when Jair Alexander comes back, the way that this Packers secondary is playing right now, they got an opportunity to go on a run in the second half of the season, especially if they can get some of their key players back healthy. I'm talking about Jair Alexander, Zadarius Smith. I mean, you got some key players right now who are out on the defensive side of the ball for the Packers. Now, offensively, center Josh Myers, he's been out for a while. It's a chance that he may return back at some point this season. We already heard about the possibility of David Batiari returning back to the lineup sometime in December for the Packers. So I think the Packers are in a position to go on a run as we get cl closer to the playoffs. And if they can secure that number one overall seed in the NFC and have the road to the Super Bowl have to come through Lambeau Field, I think that's a recipe for success for the Green Bay Packers and they'll position themselves to be the representative for the NFC in the Super Bowl. Like, I think the Packers have the most complete team right now in the NFL. I think they can win different ways and they don't just win one way. They're not just one dimensional like the Buffalo Bills. You know, they can run the football and win at the line of scrimmage with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. They also can throw the ball all over the yard with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and Marquez Valdez-Scanling and Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb in the passing game. They have shown different ways to be able to win football games. And that's how you win an NFL Super Bowl. You can't just be one-dimensional. You can't be one-dimensional. Like, And I want to show some love to Aaron Rodgers. This is Aaron Rodgers. The last two weeks, Aaron Rodgers, 692 passing yards, seven touchdowns, zero interceptions, 
He's completing 65% of his passes. This is going up against a Vikings defense who was decent, and they're led by Mike Zimmer, who's known for being a great defensive coach, and going up against an elite Rams defense who has players who can make plays. They're not playing like an elite defense right now. They're honestly playing like one of the worst defenses in the NFL, but they have the personnel to be a successful defense. You got Jalen Ramsey at cornerback. You got Aaron Donald, one of the greatest defensive players in NFL history at D-tackle. You got Leonard Floyd. You got Von Miller. So they got the personnel to be a good defensive team. And Aaron Rodgers deserves to be in that NFL MVP conversation. On the season, he got 23 touchdowns, four interceptions. He's thrown 2,878 total passing yards. He's completing 66% of his passes. So Aaron Rodgers is playing at an elite level right now, and he's playing on a bad toe. And he hasn't practiced in three weeks. He hasn't practiced in nearly three weeks, and Aaron Rodgers is playing MVP caliber football. There were reports yesterday out of Green Bay about how Aaron Rodgers, he decided not to have surgery on that toe. So he's going to give it, you know, rest throughout the bye, see if he can heal up, and the Packers can go on a stretch run in the second half of the season. But I'm, I'm excited about my Green Bay Packers right now, ladies and gentlemen. I really, really am. But we got to get past the NFC Championship. Got to get past the NFC Championship. Been in the NFC Championship the last two years, so we on the brink. Got to get over that hump. Got to get over that hump. And I think securing the bye and having home field advantage will be a key recipe for the Green Bay Packers being able to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl in L.A. this year. But I, I've been very impressed with what I've seen from the Packers sitting at nine and three, despite all the injuries that they have dealt with this entire season. I mean, they got Pro Bowl caliber players out right now. David Bocciari, Darius Smith, Jair Alexander, and they are still winning football games. This is a testament to Matt LaFleur as a head coach. He is a top three head coach on Twitter. Dan Orlowski talk about how Matt LaFleur is one of the best coaches in the NFL, and I agree with him. I agree with him. The way Matt LaFleur has this offense playing at a high level with an MVP caliber quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, I'm impressed with what I've seen so far from Matt LaFleur as the head coach of the Green Bay Packers in his first three years as head coach. I really am. And Brian Gutekunst, I got to give him some credit, general manager for the Green Bay Packers, because you see these backups playing significant time on the field. and you know, they are getting experience as the season goes along. So when it comes playoff time, because they already have so many reps, they'll be ready for those moments in the playoffs because they've been getting so many moments and playing time throughout the regular season. So Brian Gutekunst has done an outstanding job as general manager for the Green Bay Packers. And like I said, the, the, the way that they're playing right now is great. But – Everybody remember going to follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Make sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at these guys. No sports. I want to welcome to the show sports blogger of the front office news, my man, JT Smith. JT, what's up, bro? Chill, what's happening? Not much, man. How you doing? 
Man, I can't complain. <laughs> Man, so I'm going to get right to it, JT. So earlier today, we saw Luke, F- Luke Fickle. Luke Fickle, he said that he's not interested in the Notre Dame job. And obviously, with Brian Kelly departing from Notre Dame for LSU, there's been speculation about if Luke Fickle would have some interest. But do you believe him when he says, I don't know what there is to address? Because that's what he said earlier in his presser um, for the week. He said, I don't know what there is to address. But we've heard coaches say this in the past, JT. We heard Brian Kelly last week talk about how he didn't plan on leaving Notre Dame unless someone came with a big check. And obviously that's what LSU came with. So do you believe Luke Fickle? All right, so I'll look at it like this. Um, he didn't really – he didn't say, like, he was – like, the thing is, you know how, like, Brian Kelly was like, well, let's this invisible check, this blank check comes. Totally different. Totally different to me. Um, he's just like, hey, he's not addressing it right now just off the strength of they still got stuff they got to do on Saturday. So, like, it ain't like Fickle about to – no matter what, even if he does dip, it ain't like he about to leave tomorrow. That ain't about to happen. Like he right. he gonna play he gonna play like they gonna play this game on Saturday, hopefully they win and then they get top four and then I feel like if they get top four no matter what he's gonna coach those coach those boys, but um I mean Notre Dame is definitely a job that he's I mean that I would think you know what I mean that he's looking at or of course not looking at like where he's just trying to get out like he's a little bit different than a lot of other cats because. He's could have he could have dipped like four or five times already for real. Yeah. Like West Virginia wanted him, uh, Michigan State, um, which was close. You know, Florida State, which a lot of people don't know. Florida State tried to get him before the year before. Um, Michigan State tried to get him. You know what I mean? So it's been mass. You know, SEC schools, Big Ten schools. You know, poking yeah. around. So I mean, the thing is, like Notre Dame and Ohio State have always been the two schools that I feel like fickle would possibly leave the Bearcats for. So in general, it's cause for concern. But at the same time, uh, he's not going to pull the grease ball move like how, like, you know, Brian Kelly was literally in the kid's room or kid's home before while the stuff was breaking. You feel me? Like, Fick ain't going to pull that move. I think he loves these seniors too much. He knows what they've done for him. So it's kind of like he's always on code. So it's like no matter what, like even – when they was talking about USC, which honestly I thought I just don't see him as a USC kind of dude. So I really wasn't nervous about that, that school, even Oklahoma being such a top tier program. I'm not really worried about Oklahoma. The only one, like I said, like it's cause for concern for sure. Until Notre Dame hires their legit head coach, you know, Bearcat fans should be on pins and needles, but they just got to take it, take it for what it's worth. Cause it's not like fickle isn't a guy like, Talk, telling you one thing and trying to automatically do other things like somebody like Brian Kelly who's I mean people know like when he was here he had one foot here one foot out the whole time you know what I mean like a Butch Jones he had a toe here and he had everything else out you feel me right. so the good thing is the Bearcats are good enough where every year Fickle's name is going to be in for the top tier jobs every Absolutely. year no matter if he does stay yeah. um if he leaves no matter what, like I won't have like any ill will towards him. He's helped my site grow um, just from how good he has this team, you know, yeah. playing. And he's been a fair dude. Like, you know what I mean? Like he turned this team from a four, four and 18 to legit winning double digits. And then they actually have a chance to be the first G5 team to freaking go to the college football playoff. Like if they win on Saturday, 
barring the college football playoff, just trying to just just hit them with no Vaseline, they should yeah. be in. You feel me? Like like no matter what. So I know I got the rambling a little bit on that, but okay? it, it's it's tough though. Like the thing is, it's tough because the Bearcats are in a messed up situation because it's like you at the highest peak that you ever been, barring two thousand nine. You know how that went, and yeah. um. You got a dude that you know really wants to be here. Like where other coaches, you kind of knew what it was. Like, hey, they're using this to dip. Whereas, yeah, you know, Fickle, stuff. yeah, exactly. Where Fickle is like, I'm here and what it, it is what it is. Like, I'm going to roll out. He already stayed five years. Nobody, like, He could have left after year two if he wanted to, for real. Right. And every other year, it's not like he's gotten crappy job offers. You know what I mean? Like he could have doubled his salary last year. You know what I mean? He could have got Mel Tucker. He could have been Mel Tucker if he wanted to. You know what I'm saying? And honestly, I think I like Mel Tucker as a brother and he holding it down. But I feel like as a pickle, his his background of what he's done at UC is better than what Tucker has done as a head coach. Personally, you know what I'm saying? And I, and I respect Tucker. You know what I'm saying? I get the money. Like I ain't mad at people getting the money. But um, at the end of the day, I feel like, you know, Fick is he's one of the dudes that. Notre Dame doesn't automatically take him away, but it, I mean, it still could. I, I don't know. I, ain't, you know, it depends on him and his family and stuff like that, but yeah. it's not like a done deal, but I just feel like this is definitely one of the score, one of the schools that concerns me when I hear that name brought up. Yeah. Now defensive coordinator, Marcus Freeman, he is the leading candidate for the head coaching job at Notre Dame. As Bearcat fans, I think we should be rooting for Marcus Freeman to get that job. That way we can keep Luke Fickle as the head coach of the Cincinnati Bearcats. Would you agree with that? A hundred percent, 200 percent for real. Like, yeah. like everybody yeah. needs to just be like an email to do. He was just on ESPN. I forgot the, uh, the AD's name for Notre Dame, but long story short, you'd be emailing him. Like the thing is though, like, like Freeman is that dude, like flat out. I have no, no bad thing to say about Freeman. Hell of a recruiter, good dude. And that'd be dope if he is able to be the head coach. You know what I mean? It'll make the Bearcat fans a lot. Yeah, you know a lot. You know what I'm saying? It felt a lot better. You know, sleep a lot better tonight. But until it's announced, you got to roll with it. But it seems like a lot of stuff that Notre Dame is doing right now. Just if you check their timeline, that is leaning towards Freeman. But not being an insider on them, I don't know how that's really working. But it seems like it's very possible Freeman is the guy personally. Yeah. But I don't know. Like that can that can change. But if Freeman's the guy, that's very good for the Bearcats. I'm pretty sure it's going to parlay fickle another bonus or another you know some kind of you know salary increase you know what i mean but um which i'm not mad at that but my my uh i don't know the, the flip it on you my thing is if fickle all right say that freeman isn't the guy yeah i feel like and then they really do want fickle and fickle goes i think they need to try to shake that tree and get freeman back and have him be the head coach personally but you know what i'm saying but i hope Freeman gets that job and they don't do him ty like Tyrone Willingham. And then he just, uh, he, he, you know what I'm saying? He flourishes and then we get to keep Fickle. You know what I'm saying? Cause I, I would love to see Fickle ride this big 12 thing out. I would love to see him be able to coach into the big 12 and then whenever that happens. But um, if they can dodge this bullet from Notre Dame, I feel like the Bearcats would be pretty safe for a while unless Ryan Day goes to the pros. Absolutely. I agree with you, JT. Let's transition. Let's talk about the conference championship game. Saturday at Nipper, you got the 11 and one Houston Cougars. JT, they have won 11 straight after dropping their first game of the season. Obviously, the Bearcats are 12 and 0 on the season. What's your expectations 
for this game Saturday? Honestly, if they can stay focused and not listen to the outside noise, which they practice and preach for sure, it's still a lot of stuff. It's a lot of heavy stuff going out there. I wouldn't mind not not to, not to bring up Notre Dame again, but I wouldn't mind them saying who their coach is going to be before this game. That'd be great. But Man. in a perfect world, uh, you know, it's, it's probably not going to happen. But long story short, um, I think the, they play up to their competition because it's easy. like the, the thing is, if you look even at the games they lost, like every team has had they got a bad loss or whatnot. The Bearcats, even when they play not the greatest, they still win. Yeah. And then you know, people will say, like, off the AAC, blah, 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 blah. And understandable, the AAC is, is on a down year. It's not one of their better years, right? But at the same time, when these teams, other teams, even the Bama, they don't play their best game, they get clipped. It's been a couple of times they escape. They escape flat on Saturday. You know, yeah. it's a couple other games, you know, that I feel like was it Florida? No, nah, maybe not Florida. They came back. But it was a couple other games they kind of eat by, you know what I'm saying? slip like LSU just was calling crazy plays but um they should have lost that game just I like Bama did struggle with Florida earlier in the year JT. they did but yeah. they were up by a lot but then and then Florida, and Florida came, came back, back. Yeah. you know what I'm saying but so that's a 50 50 but that game against LSU they were struggling so you gotta yeah. think about it. they lost you know Ohio State is as good as Ohio State is they lost two games right and Ohio I mean you see they when they struggle they still win and they still pretty much win convincingly. It's not like they've been down and had to make some miracle play to win. Like, they've still been up even in tragic moments, like Tulsa. You know what I'm saying? Like, it still was up eight. Like, they had to go for – Tulsa had to go for two to put in overtime. They play up. Like, but the thing is, which I'm noticing, like, the teams that play close to them, they play slow. But, yeah. like, the teams that have the talent to actually go toe-to-toe with them, they normally can't win that race right now because of how talented the Bearcats are. Like, you look at – um, who they play ECU who's playing way better than expected they actually played with pace and you saw what happened and you see had three turnovers that slowed that game down if you don't have those turnovers I mean they could have put a 50 ball up on them on the road and then you got to think about um, SMU who I mean I know they had a lot going on with their coach pretty much three feet out you feel me um, in that game but they were a team that scored 40 average over 40 points and them dudes didn't even do close to what they normally do. So, like the teams that play with a regular pace, the Bearcats don't have a problem because their defense is freaking top three, flat out. Like they got, and it's an NFL defense for real. You got NFL players on the back end. You got NFL players playing on the front line, in linebacker. Like every every phase of, phase of the game, the, the offense is more explosive than people think, and they get caught slipping. So, like it's the teams that play with pace, it plays into the Bearcats favor so i feel like honestly they play clean don't have silly penalties like you know false starting for no reason or you know bad turnovers then normally i would say the bearcats will win by double digits probably 14 something like yeah. that because even though houston is a good team don't, don't get me wrong but i mean i watched them play normally their games are very close against even the smus and the other teams that you kind of might measure them with like a memphis and stuff like that where i feel like you see it's just going to really get out to, you know, stumping on them, which I, it, it's just that Hogerson got, they got, he got a lot of firepower with the stuff going on with Notre Dame, you know, with that cloud hanging over him more yeah. so than anything. So we'll see. Yeah. To your point in week four, Houston, they, they beat Navy 28, uh, yeah. 20. And then in, in week eight, they beat East Carolina 31, 24. And then yeah. week nine against SMU, they beat them 44, 37. So 
to your point, they play a lot of close games. They close. And then, you know, on that um, SMU game, the kid, the Marcus Jones kid broke the punt, the kickoff return at yeah. the, with the like, last, what, 20 seconds or something like that to win the game. So, like, that was yeah. destined to go to OT. But, I mean, hell of a play by the kid, by, by Jones. But at the end of the day, like, I just feel like if the Bearcats play 80% as good as they can play, then they'll win by double digits. And if they play right and then Houston – I mean, because it's, it's a home game – this team is a sold-out crowd. Seniors get to play another game here. With that leadership, it's just like it's going to be tough, man. It's going to be tough. And Houston's an aggressive team. So, like, you're going to get – I mean, you're aggressive like they are. Where they blitz and do certain things. You're going to give them chunk plays. And the Bearcats can get chunk plays, And you know what I'm saying, when you're playing safe. So, it, I just don't see it going well for Houston unless the Bearcats are just too in their feelings about certain stuff. You know what I'm saying? So – yeah, and you mentioned the defense a little bit. I want to talk about the defense real quick. Yep. Coming into the game, the Cougars, they have the 41st passing attack in college football. So um, how important is it for defensive coordinator Mike Tressel to have his unit ready for Saturday? And part two of this question, JT, who do you believe is the X factor in this Bearcats defense? I mean, you got Kobe Bryant. You know, you got Ahmad Gardner, you know, as a defensive back. They got so many playmakers on the defensive side of the ball. Who do you believe is the X factor in this Bearcats defense? Yeah, X factor. I'll go. I'm gonna go Curtis Brooks right now. Like I feel like the way he's played the last month, like dude is really making himself some money on the low. Like nobody yeah. really talks about him as much, but because you know you got my J, you got all the other players. The linebackers are great. Um, but I feel like Curtis Brooks, man, he's been dominating that up that upfront game ever since they gave up all those running rushing yards. Um, who was it against? Ah, don't give me the line. But they gave up like almost 300 rushing yards. Maybe that was against Tulsa. Yeah, it was against Tulsa. And after that, I feel like dude's been like on a mission. He's been, yeah. been solid. Like, you know what I mean? He doesn't make the flashy plays, but he's he's holding down the run. He's been actually getting to the quarterback. I want to say he's a team leader in sacks too. Like, and nobody really knows that. But um, he's the X factor to me because I feel like you know what you're getting with everybody else for real like as far as like they got the name they got the brand per se yep. um secondary i say maybe that if you're gonna go in the secondary who the x factor would be would be arquan bush um just because they don't because brian and gardner are so good that people kind of overshot they don't really don't give bush's props but dudes dudes a beast yeah. and if houston wants to pick on him that's cool because i mean he's gonna make more plays he gives up flat yeah. out you know what I'm saying? So for sure, they get, I think they gave up 297 rushing yards to Tulsa. So you, yeah, yeah, yep. yeah about 300. Yeah, it was a lot. Yeah, let's transition. Let's talk some offense. Desmond Ritter on the season, he got 27 touchdowns, eight interceptions. He's completing 66 percent of his passes. What's your expectations for Ritter on Saturday, JT? Man, man I feel like Ritter's gonna have a good game. Um, I feel like he's gonna play a pretty clean game. I'll say a worst case scenario, maybe one turnover, but. Um, just because he likes to take those 50-50 ball chances with, with those receivers, you know what I mean? Which I, I feel him, you know, like um Alex Pierce, he's gonna make more plays than he doesn't. So, you know, we got six four dude running sub four or five, he can jump 40 inches or whatever he can jump. You got you gotta take those chances. Um, so I, I say Ritter's gonna have a good game, man. Like he, he always, no matter what, I feel like if when it's time, he's always gonna make the plays. Like he hasn't yeah. done anything that showed me differently. So even if he is playing a little rough early, hopefully he's not too too energized. So I know that can make him throw the ball high a little bit because he's so hyped and amped. If he come out there cool, I don't. I mean, I think he's going to 
throw for about 300 yards, have a couple touchdowns, maybe rush one with his feet. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I, I think that's really going to have a, a great performance in Saturday's matchup. You know, we got, you know, the AAC title game, you yeah. know, at Nipper Stadium, sold out crowd, national yeah. TV game. Like, this is for all the marbles. And you want your quarterback to have a big-time performance in these type of games. So, I also think offensively, though, you know, as great as Ritter is, Pierce, we know how dominant he is in the passing game. You know, uh, you know Leonard Taylor at yeah. tight end uh, for the Bearcats. I believe the X factor, JT, is Jerome Ford. Jerome Ford, for the season, he got 182 carries. 1,055 rushing yards, 17 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. He's averaging close to six yards per carry. I believe he is the X factor uh, on this Bearcats offense. What you think? That's fair. I mean, that's fair. I say I, th- I feel like the tight ends are the X factors, though, um, to me, just because Wiley and and uh, Taylor are so interchangeable. Like one yeah. gets hot. Maybe one doesn't have that great of a game. The other one's having a great game. It's vice versa. Like, you don't know who to go after. Like, you try to take Wiley away, Taylor's going to eat you up. You try to take Taylor away, Wiley's going to eat you up. So, like, I feel like those are the X factors because you look at their stats, they're, like, in the middle of the pack on, on the team for most receptions. But if you combine them, I feel like they might be – they might have more yards and catches than Pierce if you combine them. You know what I mean? And more touchdowns. Combined. You feel me? So, like, like to me, like, I feel like they're, they're the X factor because of their length. I mean, you know what you're getting with Ford. Ford is a dog. Like, long as his, long as his yeah. calf holds up, ankle or whatever holds up, I feel like he's going to do what he's going to do. And then the X factors on the running backs, I say, like, the backups because people expect, you know, the can on Ford, but those other guys come in and they do their thing, too. So, it's like, hey, it's got a – it's kind of an embarrassment of riches right now, for real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ryan Montgomery, he uh, one of the backup running backs on this yeah. Bearcats team. Give me a prediction, JT, before we get out of here. All right, let's go. All right, I feel like Bearcats gonna win 34-17. I don't think Houston scores 20 because I, I just feel like the Bearcats defense, even though Houston has a solid defense, but it's a different animal when you got all those NFL players over there. You feel yeah. me? Like you got Bush is quietly an NFL player to me, um, but you got Gardner, who I obviously could be a top 20 pick, maybe Absolutely. even higher. Absolutely. You got you got Bryant, who's honestly, at worst case scenario, a top 100 pick. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Then you got Cook, who's possibly a top 100, top 20, you know, top, you know, within the fourth round, before the fourth round, especially after getting invited. So you see people are paying attention. I even think um, Hicks has a has a chance to go pro if he wants. You know what I mean? Like, um I know his his take might not look as good as Cooks this year, but he's a playmaker. So you got all those guys who are legit NFL talent, NFL caliber. Um, I just think it's going to be a different animal. Like to see all of them. Like most teams have one guy that's legit, and then where, especially in the AAC, you need to think about it. Like you know, you know, Ohio State's normally have teams like this. You know, are you know Alabama, Clemson, those type of guys might have multiple people that are pure NFL talents where you see right now it's all there so I just think they double them up they're gonna double them up and I think the offense gets to humming it could be worse for sure one more quick question for you JT and you said this earlier and I agree with you the committee they brought out they came out with their you know college football rankings yeah they got Alabama at three and they got UC at four and so I just thought that was crazy because Alabama barely beat an Auburn team 
that is only six and six on the season. And then JT, it took it took four overtimes for oh. Alabama to beat oh. Auburn, and they got them ranked third. But yeah, you look at UC real quick. You see the last three weeks, to me, they've been dominating performances. Yeah, South facts. Florida in week 11, week 12, SMU, week 13, East Carolina. So they've been dominating their last three opponents. So yeah. why don't they have UC ranked above Alabama? Uh, man, you're going to make me be late for my pod messing with you on this. Okay, so this is the thing. The SEC, man, like, all right, so the SEC has so much juice, bro, like, in – past the past of alabama like i told people before bama lost bama was was susceptible to being popped this year i was like the next year yeah. people are going to be running from them because they got so many young people playing etc cetera, etc cetera. but i'm like this year they can be had and yeah. um them almost losing to auburn they you know it's the rivalry but at the same time dog like when you're top five four or five team you supposed to dispose of them. Like you shouldn't go into overtime. Like I don't care. Like you're supposed to, if you're good as everybody's saying, you shouldn't be going to overtime for them. Like if you see was going in overtime, they would be bashing them, calling them. Oh, it's the AAC. They yeah. suck. They don't have any talent. But when Bama wins a tough game, oh, they're gritty. They just they were down. They caught up. It just shows yeah. how much good they are. Like nah, they ain't that good. That's what it is. Like they're not that good this year. That's all it is too. And like, it's, it's okay to accept it this year. Like. They, yeah. they want to force it. And that's the thing. Like, they want them at three to make it, like, if if the if the Bearcats were in the Big 12 this year, they'll be three, flat out. Yeah. So it's just like they don't – they're trying to do anything to kind of make it hazy. I hope Georgia wins so then you can just take Bama out the equation. Because this year they're just not a top, the top four team. I mean, with how stuff's shaking, maybe they are. But at the end of the day, like, if the Bearcats play Bama on a neutral field, I would like the Bearcats' chances. And you could say I'm being a homer because I cover them or whatever, but this year they can be popped. Like they they can be popped, bro. Like um, I, it, I just feel, I feel that way. I watch a lot of football, and they, they're not that nice this year. Like you know what I'm saying? Like they're explosive, of course. Yeah. I'll give you that they're explosive, but they can be had. Like it ain't it ain't like Bama was last year where you just kind of knew like it wasn't that many teams that should even be on the field with them. Like it's it's. It's an even playing ground with them right now. So I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, JT. Yep. You look at yep. last three weeks for UC. They've yep. beaten South Florida, SMU, and East Carolina. They've outscored all three of those opponents, 128 to 55. So they've yeah. been dominating yeah. their opponent the last three weeks. I don't want to hear, oh, you see, they playing in the AAC. Yeah. They're not dominating teams the way they should be. Because now yeah. I, I would understand you saying that earlier in the season because you remember yeah. earlier in the season, they uh they beat Navy only twenty seven to twenty. Yeah. Um, you know they 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 beat like what Tulsa twenty eight twenty. But the last yeah. three weeks they've been dominating the, been, the opposing team. Yeah, that's that's what they've been doing. They've been doing what they're supposed to do. Like you only can play who's on your schedule. I understand. All right, maybe their schedule isn't as tough as others at this time, but. They went on the road and came back against Indiana. That Indiana team was better than the team that Ohio State played. Right. You know what I'm saying? They, they still had Penix. Penix didn't play as good coming off the of ACL, but he still was way better than any other quarterback they were throwing out there. Um, yeah. The defense was playing a lot better. You know, um, Notre Dame, you see, I mean, Notre Dame would probably be number five if Kelly didn't dip. You know what I mean? On the, on the stuff. You know, of course, they get burnt for that. But at the same time, they went to their house and dominated them. That wasn't a close yeah. game. Like, just keep it. Just keep it 100. If anybody watched that game, just don't look at the score. That game was purely physically dominated by the Bearcats. They only, I mean, Notre Dame only had like three decent drives that whole game. 
Yeah. The whole game. And it wasn't like the Bearcats were trying to slow the game down, play slow. They just did what right. they wanted. They just had, like, the dude missed a field goal or something. Like, it was a couple little things that kept it. Oh, the holding call. They called the holding call. Or my man was over over the line on that play. They, I mean, they should have been up, like, 20, 21 zip or something like that. Like, it was, it was yeah. crazy. But just, I mean, the Bearcats' mistakes made the game closer than what it was. But if you watch the game, it was a physical domination of, you know, if you looked at it, you didn't. They didn't have jerseys on, and it just no. They just had like one team had white jerseys on, one team had black jerseys on. You would think the Bearcats team was Notre what Notre Dame was supposed to be, and Notre Dame was the Bearcats. If you just didn't know anything about sports, agreed, agreed, JT. So you got Bearcats thirty four, Cougars seventeen, right for Saturday? Yeah, that's what I'm rolling with. Okay, JT got the Bearcats winning the AAC title for the second consecutive season jt let everyone know where they can find you on social media all right cool i'm about to get long-winded real quick so on twitter on the twitter you can find me at underscore jt underscore smith and front office news um also on instagram make sure you hit up front office news and then hit the site up the front office news.com anytime maybe gonna have all the content on there videos um links to our youtube channel which a lot of videos there too so man super content over there man check it check it out feel free to follow me feel free to follow the site you know let me know if you like it or not man but it's real good bearcast content on there for the free so holla at us absolutely man jt you do a hell of a hell of a job with the front office news writing articles and talking everything you see bearcats and we got a great basketball squad too this year jt yeah. so i'm gonna bring you back over we're gonna talk some basketball as yeah. well jt smith from the front office news. Thanks for joining the show, JT. No problem, man. Appreciate you. Have a All great right. one. Yep. My man, JT Smith from the front office news. Everybody remember going to follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. We should have followed Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. I am excited for the AAC title game Saturday afternoon at Nipper Stadium. I'm going to get my predictions on the game Friday, though. I'm going, I'm going to wait and get my predictions on the game Friday. And you see JT, he got Bearcats 34, Cougars 17. I'll wait and get my predictions on Friday. I, I cannot wait for this matchup at Nipper Stadium. I can't wait. Like, this is an exciting time to be a Cincinnati Bearcats fan. It really, really is. Like, AAC title at Nipper Stadium, sold-out crowd for an opportunity to punch their ticket to the college football playoffs. It's going to be electric in Nipper Stadium Sunday afternoon. I'm sorry, Saturday afternoon. I'm excited for it. Can't wait for it. But let's transition. Let's get back to some NFL. And let's talk about the beatdown that took place Sunday afternoon in Paul Brown Stadium. The Cincinnati Bengals, they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 41 to 10. The Bengals, they swept the Steelers. This year, for the Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger, he went 24-41, threw for 263 passing yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, had a pick six in this game as well. For the Bengals, Joe Burrow, he had an efficient game. He went 20 of 24, threw for 190 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception. Joe Mixon, he had 28 carries, 165 rushing yards, two touchdowns. So, as I watch this game, I have a lot of takeaways. Like, there were different things that stood out to me as I watched this game. First and foremost, I want to say that 
that was the most embarrassing performance I have ever seen from a Mike Tomlin-led football team. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm watching the game. And I'm looking at the Cincinnati Bengals literally laugh at the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm looking at Joe Mixon get into the end zone. He dancing in the end zone with his fellow offensive linemen. You got Jameer Chase out there dancing. T. Higgins catching touchdown passes in the end zone over Steelers defenders. It was an embarrassing performance for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'll be honest, coming into the game, I said that this was a game that the Pittsburgh Steelers were going to win because over the last few weeks, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they have been struggling. You remember in week 10, they had a tie against the Detroit Lions. The Lions, they won a game all season. And the Steelers, they tied the Lions at Heinz Field in week 10. They followed that up in a game where they let Justin Herbert look like the second coming of Tom Brady, and they gave up 41 points to the L.A. Chargers in week 11. So I thought, hey, this is a must-win game for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they are trying to make the playoffs and possibly compete for the AFC North crown. But they did not show up in this game. And they got flat out pumped by the Cincinnati Bengals. I have never seen a Pittsburgh team look so soft. They were soft as Connell tissue. Like, I'm watching this game just thinking, like, are they going to have any answers for Joe Mixon? I mean, look at this game. Joe Mixon, he had... 165 rushing yards on 28 carries. The man averaged close to six yards per carry. Close to six yards per carry. This is the Pittsburgh Steelers we're talking about. This is an organization that has won Super Bowls. They have had great defensive players like James Harrison, like Troy Palomalu like me, Joe Green, back in the day. And you getting flat out punked by the Cincinnati Bengals? And they are laughing at you. They are laughing. What the hell is going on in Pittsburgh right now? Don't tell me Mike Tomlin isn't a great head coach because we've seen Mike Tomlin every single year have a winning record since he's been the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Not one time has Mike Tomlin had a losing record as a head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So we know Mike Tomlin can coach. We know that he is a proven NFL coach who can win you a Super Bowl. But for this Steelers defense to be as soft as they are right now, it's embarrassing. And if you are a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, I know watching the game Sunday afternoon, it made you sick to your stomach. It made you sick to your stomach. I mean, you look at this game. They gave up close to 200 rushing yards to the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals had 25 
first downs. The Bengals dominated time of possession, 35 to 24. It was an awful performance by the Pittsburgh Steelers at every single level. I'm going to get the big band in the offense here in a bit. It was a bad performance at every single level. The Bengals dominated the Steelers offensively, defensively, and special teams. Like, it was unbelievable. And there has been times in the past where I've seen Big Ben struggle, and I would always be able to say, we can count on the defense. You can count on the Pittsburgh Steelers defense to bring physicality and win at the line of scrimmage. So they'll put themselves in a position to win the game. Big Ben has had times in the past where he struggled, and we could rely on the Steelers defense. But now you can't rely on the Pittsburgh Steelers defense because they are flat out soft. They are flat out soft. And the only player, well, I'll say players, plural, because there's two players who are worth mentioning. That's Micah Fitzpatrick, the safety for the Steelers, and that's Cameron Hayward, because both of these players are big time. Cameron Hayward and Micah Fitzpatrick, they both are great players. And it's a shame that they don't have the help from their counterparts on this defense. They've been completely awful this year. James Pierre, he's the one that got burnt by T. Higgins on the touchdown pass with Bert, when Burrow threw to Higgins in the first half. Pierre got completely, as the young folks call it, mossed on the play. And, you know, T. Higgins, this was an actual breakout performance for him. On the afternoon, he had six receptions, 114 receiving yards, the one touchdown. So T. Higgins had an outstanding game. Chase, he was quiet, three receptions, 39 receiving yards. But he didn't have to do much because in the first half, the Bengals were so dominant, the game was over in the first half. It was over. By halftime, the game was completely over. The Bengals were beating the Steelers 31-3 at halftime at Paul Brown Stadium Sunday. 31-3. So the game was completely out of hand. So Chase didn't have to do very much in the passing game for the Bengals. And then you saw on the opening possession of the game for the Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow, he scrambles for an eight-yard touchdown and just went right by the Pittsburgh Steelers defense, right on into the end zone. Like, this, this is not Lamar Jackson. <laughs> this ain't Justin Fields. This ain't Russell Wilson. This is Joe Burrow, and I love Joe Burrow. <laughs> Joe Burrow is one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL, but Joe Burrow doesn't have wheels. He's not a run-heavy type of quarterback, and he just ran right on by the Pittsburgh Steelers defense for the opening touchdown on the afternoon. Like, the Pittsburgh defense is soft. Now, let me get the Ben Roethlisberger, because big Ben Roethlisberger, I said earlier in the season that he's washed, and I'm going to break this down because I got a lot of respect for Ben Roethlisberger, right? I really, really do. And, like, Roethlisberger 
for his career, he's a two-time Super Bowl champion. He won NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year back in 2004, six-time Pro Bowl quarterback, two-time NFL passing yards leader. We know that Roethlisberger is one of the most clutch quarterbacks in NFL history. And so far on the season, Roethlisberger, he has 14 touchdowns, six interceptions. He has over 2,500 passing yards. He's completing 65% of his passes. I got a lot of respect for Ben Roethlisberger. But Roethlisberger is washed. And it's time for Big Ben to hang it up. It is. It's time for him to accept the fact that his time has come to an end. It's come to an end, and it's over. We all have moments in our careers where we have to accept that we aren't who we used to be. And Biggie Roethlisberger is at that point in his career. A few years ago, Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, I thought Roethlisberger was still an elite quarterback. And I thought that he could still lead the Pittsburgh Steelers to another Super Bowl. You could tell that he was on the downside of his career, but he was still able to make plays in key moments in football games for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But that time has come to an end. Like I'm thinking about, I'm thinking back to you look at 2016, 29 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. 2017, 28 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. 2018, 34 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. So I thought at that time that Ben Roethlisberger was still an elite quarterback, just like Aaron Rodgers, just like Tom Brady. At that time, Drew Brees was still in the NFL. So I thought Roethlisberger deserved to be in that conversation as quarterbacks who have proven themselves in the postseason. And again, he's one of the most clutch quarterbacks in NFL history. But at this current moment, in Roethlisberger's career, He's washed. And it's time for Big Roethlisberger to retire. It's time for him to retire. And I just got the feeling watching the game that the Steelers players, they also can see that Roethlisberger is at the end of the road. He's at the end of the road. And the Pittsburgh Steelers are not a playoff team. I know they went on that winning streak earlier in the season. I think they had won like three straight games earlier in the season. And uh, people were talking four straight. They had won four straight games from week five to week nine. And so people were talking about, here comes Pittsburgh. I never believed in the Pittsburgh Steelers as being a true playoff contender. I, I didn't. Like I said the entire time, I said, this team relies too much on Roethlisberger. And in order for them to be able to win football games, they have to rely on Najee Harris. Like, Najee Harris is the best player on their offense. Make no mistake about it. He's the best player on the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. Now, in this game, Harris only had eight carries for 23 rushing yards. But when you down 31-3 at halftime, you can understand why Najee Harris was ineffective because he was completely taken out of the game plan completely taken out and so earlier in the season the Pittsburgh Steelers their offense was throw the ball to Najee Harris and let him make something out of nothing 
in the flats, throw the Najee Harris, let him just create something out of nothing because Najee Harris, he's hard to bring down. But in this game, you couldn't even involve him in the game plan in the running game because you down 31 to three at halftime. And I like Najee Harris. I really, really do. But this Pittsburgh Steelers team is a bad football team. Last year, when they started 11-0, you had folks who was talking about how the Pittsburgh Steelers, they are a true Super Bowl contender, and they have a possibility to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. And then you saw what happened last year in the playoff matchup against the Browns. They got completely dominated at Heinz Field. The Browns dominated the Pittsburgh Steelers 48 to 37. 48 to 37. And at one point in that game, the Browns, they were beating the Steelers 28 to 0. In the first quarter, the Browns outscored the Steelers 28 to 0. It's the same exact thing that happened Sunday afternoon at Paul Brown. The Cincinnati Bengals in the first half dominated the Steelers 31 to 3. So then in those situations, you can't run the football. You need Roethlisberger to get you back in games. And he just can't do it at this point in his career. He just can't do it. He's not the same player that he was back in 2018. He's not. And it's time for Ben Roethlisberger to accept his fate and retire. Again, no matter how great you are, in your particular profession, we all have a time where it's time to go home and it's time to let it go and find something else to do that we can be great at. Because Roethlisberger, who is a Hall of Famer, he's a Super Bowl champion, he had the most passing yards by a quarterback two times in his career, Super Bowl MVP. He's done. It's over. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, the last few years, they should have been trying to find their quarterback for the future. Because it ain't Dwayne Haskins. It ain't Mason Rudolph. And I think the Steelers organization, they have failed. And this includes Mike Thomas. And I love Mike Thomas. But the Steelers organization overall has failed. And general manager Kevin Colbert, he has failed. You knew Roethlisberger was on the downside of his career in 2019. You would have thought the Pittsburgh Steelers would have drafted a quarterback to build their franchise around. And they haven't done it. They haven't done it. Mason Rudolph, Dwayne Haskins, they are not the answers for your team moving forward. So who's going to be the Steelers quarterback? Next year, who's it going to be? Because Roethlisberger is going to retire. It, it's time. And even if he doesn't retire, Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin need to tell him respectfully that they aren't bringing him back and it's time for him to move on. And if he doesn't want to move on from football, they are going to move on from him. And they got to figure out what they're going to do for quarterback next year because they don't have a plan right now. What's their plan at the quarterback position? They don't have one. As much as you criticized the Green Bay Packers for drafting Aaron Rodgers' replacement and Jordan Love 
two years ago. At least the Packers have a backup plan for when Aaron Rodgers either declines or wants to move on to a different team. They have a backup plan in Jordan Love. Even if you don't think Jordan Love is going to be very good, at least the Packers position themselves to see what Jordan Love has by drafting him two years ago. What has the Pittsburgh Steelers done to build their franchise around their future quarterback? We saw last year the New Orleans Saints, they brought in Jameis Winston to back up Drew Brees because they knew Drew Brees was on his way out. And they had a backup plan in Jameis Winston ready to take over the helm once Drew Brees retired. Now, we know Jameis Winston ended up having a season-ending injury, but Sean Payton and the Saints organization, they did what they were supposed to do by bringing in Jameis Winston to replace Drew Brees this year. And if Jameis Winston doesn't get injured, I think the Saints have a legit chance to make the playoffs and make some noise because we know Jameis Winston can throw the football at a very, very high level. So the Saints, they had a backup plan after Drew Brees. The Patriots, they had a backup plan after Tom Brady when they drafted Mac Jones with the 15th overall pick. But the Pittsburgh Steelers, they don't have a plan in place for their quarterback for the future at all. And I think Mike Tomlin, general manager Kevin Colbert, they have failed as an organization for their backup plan when Ben Roethlisberger retires. Everybody remember going to follow the Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H, also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Let's talk about the Bengals real quick because although I'm disgusted with the Pittsburgh Steelers, I do want to give some credit to the Cincinnati Bengals because the Bengals, they had lost two straight going into the bye in week 10. You know, in week eight, they lost to the New York Jets, 34-31. In week nine, they lost to the Cleveland Browns, 41-16. That completely dominated at Paul Brown Stadium. So they were five and four heading into the bye week. And so I said, we're going to find out what type of team the Bengals are after the bye week when they face off against the Las Vegas Raiders in week 11 and the Pittsburgh Steelers in week 12 at Paul Brown Stadium. And I got to give a lot of credit to Zach Taylor and his team because they have answered the call. Two straight wins out of the bye, sitting at seven and four right now. They are second in the AFC North. They are currently in the playoffs as a wild card team. I got to give a lot of credit to Zach Taylor. The Cincinnati Bengals, they are a team that's in the playoffs currently, and they have a shot at making the playoffs. Last two weeks, they scored 32 points against the Las Vegas Raiders, 41 points against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So the Bengals, they have had great offensive performances the last two weeks. Last two weeks, Joe Burrow has this offense playing at a high level. And I'll tell you the one thing that I'm the I'm most impressed with with this Bengals team. They've been running the football with Joe Mixon. You saw 
in week 11, going up against the Raiders, Joe Mixon, 30 carries, 123 rushing yards, two touchdowns. And then week 12 against the Pittsburgh Steelers, Joe Mixon, 28 carries, 165 rushing yards, two touchdowns. So you see that the Bengals are involving Joe Mixon in the running game. And that's how they are going to have to win games as we get later in the season. We are in December. And the teams that win football games are teams who can run the football and they can set up their pass through the run. We know they got elite weapons in Jameer Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd and Uzama. But in order for them to be a true contender in the AFC and a team that could possibly win a playoff game, they need Joe Mixon playing at a high level and running the football behind this offensive line who's played great the last two weeks. Bengals O-line, they have played great the last two weeks. So that's going to be their recipe for success, opening up running lanes for Joe Mixon, and that way you can open up the passing game with Joe Mixon. I mean, I'm sorry, with Joe Burrow throwing the ball down the field to Jameer Chase, to T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd. So i got to give a lot of credit to Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor for making an effort to get Joe Mixon the football, and boy, has it paid off. It has paid off for this Cincinnati Bengals team. Now, when you talk about them, are they currently a playoff team in the AFC? Well, let's look at their upcoming schedule. Seven and four on the season this week. Week 13, they got Justin Herbert in the LA Chargers coming to Paul Brown. That is a toss-up because I think the Chargers need a win in the worst way. They just lost to the Denver Broncos in week 12. So you know Justin Herbert and the Chargers, they're going to be ready for the Bengals Sunday at Paul Brown. I think it's going to be a high-scoring affair, but that's a winnable game for the Bengals. Week 14, they got a hot 49ers team coming to Cincinnati. 49ers, they have won three straight games, and they are making their playoff push right now in the NFC. So that's going to be a big-time matchup in week 14 at Paul Brown. Week 15, they got to travel to Denver at Mile High to take on the Denver Broncos. Denver right now, they're 6-5. and five. They are also competing with the Bengals for a wild-card spot in the AFC. So that's going to be a big-time matchup. I think that's a game the Bengals have to win. I think the Bengals are a more talented team than the Broncos. I like Joe Burrow over Teddy Bridgewater. So I think the Bengals should be favored in that game. But that game could be a tough game. You're going out west in Denver, high altitude, mile high. Broncos trying to get into the playoffs. That could be a tough game for the Bengals. But that's a game they have to win if they want to be a playoff team. Week 16, they're home against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. This game in week 16, circle this game if you're Bengal fans. Because if you are a Bengal fan, you're looking at week 16 as being the game that's going to decide who wins the AFC North. I think the Steelers are done. I think the Browns, they are done as well as far as being able to compete for the AFC North crown. So I think if you are a Bengals fan, you're looking at week 16 against Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens coming here to Cincinnati 
to take on the Bengals, that game could decide who ultimately wins the AFC North. Week 16, going to be a big, big game. Week 17, home against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. That's a game the Bengals could lose. I mean, they could win that game as well against the Chiefs, but that's a game they could lose. Chiefs, they probably going to be fighting for a number one overall seed in the AFC. They want to have the road to the Super Bowl have to come through Arrowhead. So you know Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Hill, Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid, they're going to be up for the Bengals in this Week 17 matchup at Paul Brown. Then the Bengals finish off the season at Cleveland Week 18. So they're 7-4 right now. Got six games left. If they can finish 10-7, 11-6, I think the Bengals can get in. I think they can get in. 10-7, 11-6, Bengals are a playoff team. I'm saying it right now. I'm going to roll with 10-7. 10 7 I'm going to roll with 10-7. I think they're going to finish 10-7. Everybody, remember go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. So before we get out of here, I want to talk about my breakout performers for NFL Week 12. But I have something that I want to do that I don't normally do. Normally, I always talk about the NFL and who were big time performers. But I want to actually give my breakout performer to the running back for the Michigan Wolverines, Hassan Haskins. Hassan Haskins, he had 28 carries, 169 rushing yards, five touchdowns against the Ohio State Buckeyes. The man averaged over six yards per carry. So Hassan Haskins, he's big time. He had a dominating performance for the Michigan Wolverines. And he was the reason why the Michigan Wolverines finally beat the Ohio State Buckeyes. I mean, you look at this, this supposed rivalry, because that's what they call this, a rivalry. But Jim Harbaugh, he hasn't beaten his coaching career at Michigan. And the Buckeyes, they have won eight straight against the Wolverines. Eight straight. The reason why they weren't able to make it nine straight is because of Hassan Haskins. He had a dominating performance for the Michigan Wolverines, and he is the reason why the Michigan Wolverines are 11-1, and one, and they are first right now in the Big Ten. And they got a, a shot to make the college football playoff. They got a shot. We got to see what, what Michigan they – they got the Big, time, Big Ten championship this weekend in Indy. So I can't wait for that matchup. It's going to be a big-time matchup. Everybody remember, go follow the wise guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, WiseGuys. Should have followed WiseGuys. Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Michigan, 11-1 on the season. 8-1 in conference play. So Michigan, uh, they play some great football, man. And I'm, I'm excited. Now, let's talk about my disappointing performer for Week 12. It pains me to say this. I'm a fan, and I was happy that he got an opportunity to return back to the NFL and play for the Carolina Panthers. But my disappointing performer for week 12 is Cam Newton. Ladies and gentlemen, Cam Newton against the Miami Dolphins. He went five of 21, 
he had 92 passing yards, two interceptions, and on the afternoon, the man completed 23% of his passes. It was an embarrassing performance from Cam Newton. He was completely terrible and didn't deserve to be, get back on the flight back to Carolina. That's how bad he was. And I love Cam Newton. I think Cam Newton is a great NFL player. And I think that he's one of the most dynamic quarterbacks in NFL history. We saw in 2015, he won NFL MVP. He led the Carolina Panthers to the Super Bowl. And he pretty much carried that Panthers team to the Super Bowl. I mean, think back to that Panthers Super Bowl team. Like, there wasn't no stars on that team. I mean, defensively, you had Thomas Davis, but it was pretty much Cam Newton carrying the Carolina Panthers to the Super Bowl. He was a dynamic player in his prime. But that was one of the most awful performances I've ever seen from a quarterback in NFL history. Five of 21, Cam. Now, this comes after Cam was out of the league. He went on the podcast, I Am More Than the Athlete, with Brandon Marshall. You got Chad Ochocinco on the podcast. Guys on the podcast who played in the NFL who spoke with Cam, right? And Cam went on the podcast and he said, there aren't 32 quarterbacks in the NFL better than me, right? This is what Cam Newton said on the I'm More Than the Athlete podcast. Sunday, Cam, you were the worst quarterback of the 32 quarterbacks that played. You were the worst starting quarterback. It was an awful performance by Cam Newton. I couldn't believe what I was watching. And I hope that he bounces back in his next game and proves why he deserves to be in the NFL and start. I mean, he looked like he didn't deserve to be on an NFL field Sunday. That's how bad his performance was. Like, I'm watching the game, and Tua actually looked pretty decent compared to Cam. And we know that Cam has had a better career than Tua, because I'm not sold on Tua. I, I was wrong about Tua. I said Tua could be a franchise quarterback that you could build your team around coming out of the draft last year but Tua hasn't been very good but Sunday in Miami Tua was the best quarterback on the field so Cam you got to get it together you did not even look like a backup quarterback Sunday I mean that's how bad your performance was you you didn't even like you even deserve to be on an NFL roster at all at all so he's my disappointing performer for week 12 my breakout performer is Hassan Haskins, running back for the Michigan Wolverines. And my disappointing performer is Cam Newton, quarterback of the Carolina Panthers. Everybody remember going to follow the Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H, also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Make sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at these guys, no sports. I want to thank JT Smith of the Front Office News for joining Wise Guys Sports tonight on the Worldwide Sports Network. Go and follow JT Smith on all social media platforms. That's my man, JT. We've been friends for a while. He knows his UC Bearcats. 
whether it's football, whether it's basketball, JT can give you the inside scoop on everything Bearcats. So he got Bearcats 34, Cougars 17 in the AAC title game at Nipper Stadium Saturday afternoon. It's going to be a big-time game. I'll be back on Friday giving you my NFL Week 13 wise picks, and I will also give you my prediction for the AAC title game between the Houston Cougars and the Cincinnati Bearcats. JT already gave his prediction. I'm going to get my prediction on Friday. And I'm also going to talk about this matchup tonight that we got in the Western Conference between the Phoenix Suns and the Golden State Warriors. We got Steph Curry going up against Chris Paul. I can't wait for it tonight. NBA on TNT. It's going to be a big-time matchup tonight in Phoenix. So everybody remember to follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. I'm Trey Larkers. Enjoy your night. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.